Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. Chapter 20 of John's Gospel. It's a familiar passage to us. It's about a story a man called Thomas. It's a nickname. Does anyone remember what his nickname is? Doubting Thomas. He was double-minded. He was always doubting things. He was perhaps trained as an engineer in old days. Everything had to be methodically outlined before he can believe in anything. Jesus told him numerous occasions that I will be resurrected one day, and he actually uh, got Lazarus resurrected to demonstrate this is what's going to happen to me and to all of us one day. But doubting Thomas, he simply could not believe when Christ was truly resurrected. That's a picture of me. I don't know about you, but that's my old sinful nature that is constantly dragging me back to the old way of life. Unless I can see, unless I can feel, rather than I yield to the leading of the Holy Spirit, Rather than I simply trust the Lord, trust his promises, and try to rest in his arms comfortably as a little baby. I constantly struggle to worry about different things. What do we do next week? What am I going to preach? And what's happening with those families? And what can I pray for those families? Constant cares of the world, I find, begin to choke my walk with Christ. After a while, it becomes nothing more than just a ritual. I come on Sunday morning because it is Sunday morning. I come back on Wednesday evening even because it is Wednesday night. Perhaps I used to come Sunday morning delighted, but waiting for the service to come, praying that the God will truly bless Sunday morning service. God will touch my heart with something. I want to be challenged with the word of God, but at the same time, Lord, I want to be comforted by your word next Sunday morning. And perhaps I was waiting for that occasion, praying that God will do something wondrous on that day. But for some reason, that's not the case anymore. I'm here because it's Sunday morning. I'm here because, if not, everybody will scold me. How come you're not there at the Sunday morning last? Your faith is slipping. And what happens? Does that help you to become more faithful? No. You retreat. You step back. And one day you will find yourself not rejoicing. The joy of the Lord is not there. The contentment is not there. It's nothing there. Christian walk is nothing there legal, ritualistic, pharisaical walk. And I wonder why. I'm beginning to question my salvation. Am I truly saved? Perhaps I need something. Something visible, something physical. Perhaps I need to hear the voice of God. Perhaps I need to see a miracle performed. 
Perhaps I need to go to one of these charismatic churches and start experiencing all these emotional, fleshly kind of a worship service. My mind is wandering. Double-minded. Just like Thomas. Just like Thomas. God promised to we Christians that he will give us rest. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And many of us are heavy laden, and we do labor every day. And Jesus promised, I will give you rest in reference to salvation. That is talking about salvation. I will save you from the cares of this world. Then it says in verse 29, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light, he's saying. Once you are saved, as you take on my yoke, which is easy, my burden, which is light, as you yield yourself to holy living, to Christian walk, And Jesus promised that I will give you not just the rest, you will find rest unto your souls. Your soul delights at the preaching of God's word. Your soul longs for fellowship with fellow Christians. Your soul longs for, okay, that they may truly sense the presence of God. Your soul longs that our families will be change in Christ. Something wondrous will happen each week. It's like kind of a riding on cloud nine. Despite all the trials and difficulties, cares of the world, Lord, I'm still delightful. Because I don't know why, but I find rest in my soul. If you think Christian walk is nothing more than just salvation, you're going to have a tough time in life. You're not going to enjoy your walk in Christ. You're going to even hate at times. You're going to skip churches. You're not going to read the scriptures. You're not going to pray. It's going to be just nothing more than a boredom to you. But that's not what Christ promised to us. Come unto me. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. He said, I will give you rest. Then he also promised, you will or shall find rest unto your souls. Certainly Thomas was not the case. I hope that is not the case with me this morning. Just because I'm dressed up for service. Just because I got a tie on, nice Mexican tie on. That does not mean I rejoice. Just because you are here this morning, your mind might be wondering. You may be worried of what's going to happen tomorrow. What about my kids? What about my job? What about my, the car that is breaking down? All these cares of the world are beginning to choke your freedom 
your joy. And by the time the service is over, yeah, service is over. Nothing happened. I simply go back to old life, and I struggle to somehow get better. You do not get better that way. You only get bitter that way. Because you simply do not know how to live Christ, how to live in Christ. So this morning, with Doubting Tom, or the double-minded person, let me suggest you three things how we can recover this kind of Christian rut. Unless we know how to recover ourselves, unless we know how to refresh our soul on a daily basis. I'm not just going to talk about the pray every morning at 6 o'clock for one hour, then you'll be better. That's ridiculous. That's not going to happen. Let me make something very clear at the beginning. No matter what we do, your prayer life, your worship life, your Bible reading times, even soul winning, and all these things you do in the name of Christ, which are not necessarily bad nor unscriptural, but just because you struggle with these things, do not expect you will be more fruitful. Do not expect you will become more victorious. Do not expect that you will be more joyful. Because joy is not something we generate. Joy comes from the Lord. Victory comes not from our efforts. Victory comes from the Lord. The fruit comes from the Lord. We are simply the branches of the vine, which is Christ. It is the vine that produces fruit through us branches. My point is, it's all about Jesus Christ. Yes, we do struggle. We should work. We should diligently serve the Lord. Yes. We should pray as if everything depends on me. But at the same time, we must be able to pray as if everything depends on Christ. Lord, I'll do my best, but the fruits you have to produce, joy you have to give, victories you must give to me. We think it's all about me serving Christ as if God needs me. On occasions I feel this church needs me. I feel I'm valuable to some families in the church. That's pride. God does not need me. Yeah. God placed me here that I may glorify him. Not that I may feel that I'm needed here. You are here this morning not because you are truly needed here. You are needed here to glorify our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Thank you for coming this morning, but this church will continue on, whether you are here or not. Yeah. You may all leave one day. I may be the only person left behind, but the church will continue on. You know why? Because that's the way we began. 29 years ago, there was absolutely nobody with us. Our family... They're all uh, grown-ups now. That's how we began this church. 
It's not us. Pardon the expression, it's not about you. Nor me. Yeah. It's not about your qualifications, your social status, nor your financial abilities. We all like to think that way. The church needs me. I may need you, but Christ doesn't really need you. Yeah, I may need you. Yes, I do. But Christ doesn't really need you. Christ can easily turn these speakers into two people, two human beings, and they can come and worship with us. Yeah. It's all about Christ. Unless we have that basic biblical principle in Christian walk with Christ, you and I are going to struggle, struggle rest of our lives here. We're not going to enjoy our walk with Christ. It's going to be boring. It's going to be burdensome. Ah, oh, you know, more commands, more demands. Why don't you pray? Why don't you give? Why don't you go out sowing? Why don't you do this? That's what the Jews were required to do under the Old Testament dispensation. But we are under the dispensation of grace. We are saved by grace of God. We are saved by faith in Jesus Christ. And our walk is very different supposed to be. Okay. But you may think the introduction is too long. I think it is too long too. I perhaps I'm drifting too much. But I only got three points and I can finish it in three minutes. So let me say a few things about the promise. Hopefully that there will be a lesson for each one of us. I want you to see the unbelief of Thomas. Unbelief of Thomas. Verse 25, uh, John chapter 11, verse 25. Do we have it? Okay, John. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. For instance, 26, whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die, believeth thou this. Christ is addressing to Martha about his resurrection. He taught one day he will be resurrected. Disciples knew, including Thomas. He heard it from the very lips of Jesus Christ, that one day I will be resurrected. Then Thomas saw how Lazarus was resurrected in life. John chapter 11 verse 42 says, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And he thus has spoken, he cried with a loud voice saying, Lazarus, come forth. So he actually demonstrated a case of resurrection. Not only he simply said, okay, I'll be resurrected, guys. Okay, believe in me. That might have been a little difficult. So he had to physically demonstrate what resurrection is going to be like. Lazarus died. He waited. Then he said, Lazarus, come forth in front of everybody, including 
So Thomas heard, he actually saw a case of resurrection. So these are some of the evidences Thomas had. How many of you believe Grand Canyon exists? Raise your hand, please. If you believe Grand Canyon actually exists. Okay? Put it down, please. And how many of you have been to Grand Canyon? You've actually seen Grand Canyon. Okay, not everybody, but some of you actually saw the Grand Canyon. That was an evidence because you went and saw. Oh, there's Grand Canyon. Wow. Then what do you do? Turn around and come on. That's what you do. But some of you actually not seen Grand Canyon, but yet believe that exists. How is it possible? How is it possible? Perhaps you may have seen pictures. Perhaps you heard from your friend that they have been to Grand Canyon. Perhaps you've uh, Googled or mapped, and the place actually exists. Perhaps you have not actually seen the canyon, nor been there, but yet you believe. Thomas has not seen the actual resurrection of Christ yet, but Thomas has some evidences already. And even his disciples told Thomas that we've seen the Lord. Not only the testimony of Jesus, you find the testimony of the disciples. In verse 20, in 25, we have seen the Lord. After his resurrection, if you remember the story, Thomas was missing the first time when Jesus appeared to the disciples. He was not there. But the remainder were there, and they saw the resurrected Jesus Christ, and they said, we've seen the Lord. So he had enough evidences. Jesus told him. He actually saw Lazarus, and his disciples gave him a testimony saying, we have actually seen the Lord. Thomas had enough evidence to believe, but he simply did not believe. Notice in verse 25 what he said. Except I shall see, I will not believe. This is like saying this. Except I go and see Grand Canyon with my own eyes, I'm not going to believe Grand Canyon exists. No matter what people say, I'm not going to believe unless I go and see. Except I shall see the resurrected Jesus, I will not believe. We are not talking about his salvation here. We believe he was a saved man, but on this occasion, he cannot simply believe the resurrection of Christ even though he had all these evidences prior to that event. Let me throw the ball. Perhaps you are like Thomas this morning. Because I have not seen, I cannot believe it. How can you believe the word of God? I was not there when Christ was here. 
How can you believe the word of God? It's just a piece of paper or just a book, you may argue. You may argue scientifically it is incorrect. You can always come up with arguments. Just like Thomas was, except I shall see, I will not believe. That's nonsense, by the way. There are enough evidences already, even in a court of law. If we find two or three witnesses, the judge or the court will believe that is to be the truth. If a two witness says, yes, I saw him committing a crime. Another person comes to the witnesses, yeah, I saw the same thing. The court will take that as truth. Thomas was told by Christ. Thomas actually saw Lazarus. And Thomas was told by his disciples, Christ rose again. But he said, except I shall see him, I not going to believe. If you're not saved this morning, if you're never had an opportunity to hear the gospel, at the, the gist of gospel, and trusted him, and you may be questioning even this woman, yeah, how can you believe Christ? He was a good man, I can understand that, but yeah, he was just a good man, and how can he save us? How can you know he's God? If God was the judge this morning for your imaginations, for your ideas and arguments, he would say that is nonsense. That is foolishness. You know why? There are so many evidences around us. You know what is the number one most compelling evidence of salvation? Number one compelling, undeniable, undisputable, that is you. I see Brother Price and Mrs. Price here, right at the front here, and they are here every Sunday. You know why they are here every Sunday? Because they got absolutely nothing to do on Sunday mornings. Oh, yeah. They got so much time. So they are looking for something to do on Sunday mornings. They might as well go out and, you know, sit at the pew there and listen to Brother Jimmy or somebody there for a while and just kill time. No. Because God changed them. Because they're saved. Because they delight in the walk with Christ. The Holy Spirit witnesses to to their spirit that they are children of God. Their sins are forgiven and Christ is coming back. All these promises are alive and convicting and drawing closer to Jesus Christ. So that's why they're here. Number one, compelling reason. You can argue all you like. Oh, you can argue the Bible is not the word of God. Okay, no. You can all you like. But you cannot deny the fact I am saved. Why? Because it's my personal testimony. I trusted him. I knew I was a sinner. I confessed as a sinner. And I simply trusted him as my personal savior. And I've been walking as a Christian for the last 39 years now. 
You can say, or you can come up with all intellectual argument, philosophical argument, saying, that, no, 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 there's no salvation. But I can still say, like Galileo said, the world is still round. Yeah, you can all can say, you can say it's a flat, the elephants are supporting the earth and everything else. But as Galileo said, as he walked out of the court of Roman Catholic, the, uh, the bishops, whatever, the earth is still can argue all you like, there's no salvation. Salvation doesn't mean much, but I can still turn around and say, yeah, but it worked for me, and I'm a child of God. That's faith, that's belief. But Thomas had a very different idea. Despite all these testimonies, he was unbelieving on this fact. I want you to see not only the unbelief of Thomas, but I want you to see the unfaithfulness of Thomas in verse 25, he was demanding, except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, except I shall see with my eyes. He was demand to see. Show me, then I'll believe, basically he's saying. What is he saying? I'll be the final judge based on what I see. That's what he's saying. He's making sight more important, more precious than faith. And we are supposed to walk by sight or by faith? We are supposed to walk by faith. Are we saved by faith or by sight? We are saved by faith. We live each day by faith or by sight? By faith. As we go out and knock on doors, do we do that by faith or by sight? We do that by faith. Yeah. As we admonish our children to be better, we do that by faith or by sight? By faith we do that. You know why faith? Because faith will bring Christ closer to us. Sight will draw us away from Christ. Whenever I want to see, I want to hear, I want to feel, that means I'm going back to old way of life. That's the way I used to live. I see, hear, and feel. That's how it determined my life. That's how I lived before I was introduced to Christ. But now the Bible teaches, as Christians, we're supposed to live by faith. Yeah. Faith can be a very magical word. You may think faith is Jump in darkness. If I stand here and jump, let's see, over there, that's not faith. You may buy a, hope not, a lottery ticket, and you do not know how to, uh, how to pick the numbers. I've never bought a ticket. I don't know. Do you do it? Do you have to pick the numbers? Okay. Thank you. I never bottom lottery in my life, so I don't know how to play this. But you may, when you pick your numbers, you may say, okay, Lord, by faith, okay, I'm going to pick this number over this number, and you say, by faith, I pick these numbers, by faith, I do this, so by faith, God will make me a millionaire. No, sir. That's not faith. That's ignorance, foolishness, waste of money, and a sign of bankrupt mind. Yeah, 
We're not supposed to live like that. God has given us faith to live. By faith. Apostle Paul, for example, was a wonderful man. He was a highly educated, trained, had a status of Roman citizenship, and he was re- had the social status, everything else. He was one of a top, kind of a notch person. But still, what is he saying? But the life that I live now as a Christian, life that I live now as a born-again Christian, is by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself. If Apostle Paul can say, I'm content to live by faith, I think I can say, yeah, I'll live by faith, and I can still be content. As soon as you try to see things, hear things, that's when you struggle. You see, that's why we need to be separated from the world a little bit. When you begin to see all the things around the world, hear all the things from your friends, you want to experience everything in life, that's when you begin to wonder. Double-minded. You just do not know what is right and wrong. That assurance is not there anymore. Perhaps you've been taught by the church, by your Sunday school teachers, that Christ resurrected physically, and your friend says, no, 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 no. Oh, no. That's just a fairy tale in the Bible. Didn't you see the movie called Whatever, Whatever? Oh, no, he was just a spiritual, just a resurrection. Because you allow that to be hurled through your ears, what are you doing? You are making yourself a double-minded person, and you are beginning to doubt the Word of God, and sooner or later, you'll be so fearful of what you believe, you're going to walk away from Christ. I can guarantee it. So many people faithfully serving the Lord for 20, 20, 30 years, and one day, I cannot believe anything, and the person will walk away from it. Why? Because everything has been himself or herself. Again, it's all about Christ. Christ working through us. It's not me. I may be preaching at this moment, but I know I can, my preaching itself cannot do anything. Even the word that I speak cannot have effectual unless, unless what? Christ interferes. It's the Christ that that knocks on your door. It's not me. It's not even my words. Christ is simply working through me as a vessel, and it is he who is knocking on the door. I stand at the door and knock. Any man will hear my voice and open the door. I will come in. It's all about Christ. We are nothing more than his vessels. But Thomas, no, 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 no. I want to be the judge. If I see it, then I will believe it. Then he also demanded he want to be felt. I want to put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side. Then I will believe. 
By the way, brothers and sisters, that's the way this world is going to. I might have mentioned this before. I saw a man standing behind this building the other day. He was a Hispanic gentleman in his about 40s, I guess. It was Sunday a couple of weeks ago. I was just ready to leave, uh, go, to a, go to a meeting, just about 5.30 or so. And this man was standing just in front of a, you might have seen the cross. There's a cross outside this building, the white cross. And he was standing in front of the cross. Cross is, where's the cross is kind of position here, I guess. He was standing in front of the cross. And this was what I was doing. I'm not a very good imitator, but that was almost exactly what this man was doing outside his building in front of the cross. To me, perhaps he had too much pizza for lunch or something. But you go to some of the charismatic services today. There was a charismatic church only about uh, you know, a few, uh, few meters away from our, my apartment. Every Friday night, they got a charismatic service. And you can hear almost miles away. You know, they turn up the music so loud, the whole neighborhood can hear it. It's not that only. They start you know, singing, they start screaming, and they do they read some scriptures and they do more. And some lady will come to the front of the pulpit and start saying two things. And mono. What is that? Experience. If I can just feel it, some emotion, Lord, just give me that kind of emotion. Let me speak in tongue and let me experience the miracle. Then I will believe. That's the direction this whole world is going. That's the direction many churches are going to at the same time. You will find many, many more churches actually moving toward that direction, including Baptist churches. They will allow a lot of these extra revelatory kind of a phenomenon To have an encounter with Christ. But notice what Jesus said when Thomas said, if I can feel you, if I can touch your print, I will believe. In verse 27, Jesus said, be not faithless, but believing. In these last days, you will find more of this personal experience, emotional kind of experiences, but eyes of Christ, oh God, you are faithless. That's, the, that's not the way how he works. Remember, do you believe Jesus performed some miracles during his earthly ministry? Yes, he did. Okay, he raised some people and he did some wonderful things, wondrous, miraculous things. Did everybody believe who saw these events? No. I mean, were there, were there real, genuine miracles? When Lazarus was brought to uh, life, do you think they were just disciples or there were other people around also? I'm sure there were other people also. They all saw it. 
Even Jesus performed when even people do not believe. When Apostle Paul performed a number of miracles, people, not everybody believed him. That's why in verse 31, Bible says, these are written, the word of God, they encoded the scriptures. These are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. He's not talking about, you see my, my miracles, then you believe and be a son of God. God is not saying that. In a case like Luke chapter 16, remember the rich man and Lazarus? Rich man in hell? He raised his eyes and said, if you you send Lazarus, resurrected Lazarus, people will believe. And Jesus said, no. If they fail to believe the word of God or word of Moses, they're not going to believe. Do you think you will believe just because somebody walked in today and said, I got resurrected. I was dead yesterday. I'm alive today. What's your first reaction going to be? He's crazy. He should be in a mental kind of ward somewhere. You're not going to believe that. Yeah. Thomas is saying what? Something very unfaithful. If I can just see it, if I feel it, I'll believe in Christ. And to that his response was, be not faithless, but believe. I want you to see finally one more here. I want you to see the, uh, the uh, unfaithfulness of Thomas, the unbelief of Thomas, unfaithfulness. Then finally, thirdly, the understanding of Thomas. Understanding of Thomas. In verse 28, Thomas finally acknowledged that Christ is my Lord and my God. My question is, did Thomas actually touch the hand of Jesus? Did Thomas actually uh, you know, put his, his hand into his scar before he said, my Lord and my God? No. None of these happened. Thomas didn't have to do this. It was foolishness. Not necessary. And finally he came to understanding and saying, my Lord and my God. He didn't have to feel anything. He didn't have to see anything. You know why? Faith comes by hearing. And hearing what, the Bible says? By hearing the word of God. Not physical manifestations. No voices, no nothing. Faith cometh by hearing and by hearing the word of God. And Bible makes it very clear, these are written that he might believe that Jesus Christ is God. He makes it in John chapter 20 here, these are written. First John chapter 5, 13 says also, these are written that you may believe that Christ is the Son of God. So by God narrowed everything down to his word, to his recorded word, preserved word. This is the way you will be saved. This is the way that you will find rest in Christ. Stop searching. 
Stop just wondering like in darkness, hoping that something new will come. Do you know what people do when they want something new? Ah, I'm not happy. I'm not happy these days. You know, something must be wrong. What will I do? Yeah, it might be nice if we just walk down the street and go to uh, that church and they seem to be you know, doing something different. And let's try that. Before you do that, make sure you are not double-minded. Double-minded means you are doubtful. Doubtful means you are no longer standing firmly on the word of God. And word of God is the only, it's the light unto your path, and it is what? It's the, uh, what is it? No, it's the, um, it's the lamp unto your feet and light unto your path. Yeah. As soon as we drift from the word of God, we'll be beginning to double-minded. And there will be no decisions that will be right. But Jesus said, these are written. These are written. And finally, that the, uh, I want you to see the uh, belief of Jesus. There's a belief of Thomas, but belief of Jesus. This is what he said. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Interesting, isn't it? Blessed are they that have not seen. I have not seen Jesus physically. And yet have believed. Yes, I have believed. And Bible says, blessed are they. Thomas was nothing more than just a case. Christ is not going to manifest before your eyes even you desire to. It's not going to happen. You're not going to hear the voice of God. You're not going to see a, a man uh, with a long, flowing, blonde hair with blue eyes, white robe, and saying, I am Jesus. You're not going to see that. Again, don't eat too much pizza. That's what happens in your dreams. Yeah. Blessed are they. They have not seen. But yet, they have Apostle Peter makes it even better. I don't know whether we have the scriptures there. Peter chapter 1 verse 8. Whom? Can we read this together? It's a wonderful scriptures. Whom, having not seen, he loved. In whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy, unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your soul. It's all about Christ. And it's all about faith in Jesus Christ that will bring you salvation as well as rest in life. Beyond that will be what is called evil imaginations. Beyond that will create your havoc. You will be confused, confounded, and you will walk away from Christ. Because you will, sooner or later, be double-minded. So this morning, let us all come back to faith in Jesus Christ. Because through faith that we are saved, and through faith that we can be assured of rest in Jesus Christ. As the Bible says, Not seen, yet you love. You see him not, yet believe. 
and rejoice with joy, unspeakable and full of glory. That can happen to each one of us if we simply live by faith.